If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to join with me. As we look into the book of Acts, we are going to the second chapter of Acts and we're going to read a few verses of Scripture found here in the Acts of the Apostles. We are today celebrating Pentecost Sunday and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, probably not in depth as far as giving you an Old Testament and New Testament uh, history lesson today, but I will take a few moments and reference some of the prophecies and things that were spoken in the Old Testament and also words that were given by Jesus Christ in the New Testament and how those prophecies and promises come together and as a result of that we have a day like today called Pentecost Sunday. What I will say to you just maybe to help bring you up to speed if you're wondering about Pentecost. Pentecost is nothing more than a time of remembering. It's a time that we recall what God has done in our lives. So a Pentecostal experience, when people say, what is Pentecost? Pentecost is simply a celebration when you begin to remember where God brought you from. So when you remember where God found you, where God brought you from, then you celebrate the fact that you're no longer in the same condition or place that you once were in. And for Israel, that in the Old Testament related back to their deliverance out of Egypt. So they were in bondage, they were slaves for uh, quite a few centuries, and they began to cry out to God for deliverance, and He makes a way for them. He provides for them a way of escape out of Egyptian bondage. When they came out of that bondage, 50 days later, after their uh, deliverance, they had what we know as uh, Pentecost today, but it was known as the Feast of Weeks in that time. And there were three major holidays that the children of Israel celebrated every year And many of them, the men and others, were required to make a pilgrimage every year for those times of celebration. Feast of Weeks was one of those, and it happened to fall 50 days after Passover. So Passover is when that deliverance came for Israel. The death angel passed over them. They were freed, and 50 days later they remember that we were slaves, but we're no longer slaves now. We're no longer in bondage. We are free. And so they celebrate the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, from that time all the way until now. When Jesus Christ came and He sacrificed His life during Passover, okay, He was resurrected on the third day, and He, the Bible tells us, showed Himself alive for about 40 days. So for about 40 days after Passover, Jesus walked among them, showed Himself alive, and then He ascended. When He ascended, he before He ascended, He instructed those that were following Him to go and stay in Jerusalem, tarry there until they were endued with power from on high. Ten days after this happened, which puts us at the 50-day mark, 
He showed himself alive for 40 days after Passover. He tells them to go to Jerusalem and tarry. They tarry 10 days. And then we get to this second chapter of Acts, which happens to be the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, and people are coming to the city to celebrate that they were no longer in bondage, but they were freed by the power of God. They were no longer in slavery, they're now free. So what we have is Jesus telling His followers, go tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. They go there and they do that, And so now it is that day, the day of Pentecost, and we're going to pick up here in the second chapter of Acts, verse number 1, so you have a little bit of an idea of what's transpiring here. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so, for the first time on this day, the day of Pentecost, something transpires that has not happened previous to this time. The Bible tells us, and we read it here in those first four verses, there was a sound from heaven that came, sounded like a rushing mighty wind, it filled all of the house where the people were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. First time this happens, okay, in the Scripture. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, stay with me for a moment. So this phenomenal initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost transpires. And as soon as it happens, these people began to stumble out of that upper room and the experience that they were having, and all of these folks that had come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, one of those religious celebrations, they're standing in the streets, they hear this sound, they feel this wind, people began to say, hey, something's going on on the other side of town in this little upper room and the crowd begins to gather. And they see these people coming out of an upper room speaking in other tongues and acting a little bit different. And we get to verse number 12. I'm jumping way down to verse 12. And the Bible said this, And they were all amazed. Okay, So you kind of get a picture here. They're amazed at what's happening. And were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So these people are gathered in the street. They feel this wind. They hear this noise. They run to where it's happening. They see people speaking in tongues or speaking other languages. And they're amazed at what's going on because it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. They're amazed, but the Bible said at the same time they were in doubt. They're kind of confused. 
trying to figure out, and they asked the question to each other, what meaneth this? Or what's going on here? I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it today. And uh, from this thought, some things never change. Everybody say, some things never change. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing the last little bit here. Most of us this morning could look back in our lives and say that we, we learned early in life that the only wrong question is the question that's never asked. There are no wrong questions. They're just questions that never get asked. And that sometimes puts it into a category of being wrong. Many times I've seen people and and really have experienced it in my own life that I or they, we were one question short from having everything that we needed to meet the desires of our life. But for one reason or another, we chose not to ask that last question. Maybe we uh, didn't want to stand out in the crowd or we didn't want people to think that, that we didn't have as much knowledge as we would like for them to think we had. So we just don't ask the question. And many people stop short. They stop one question short from receiving everything that they would need for whatever it is in life for help. There have been times in, in the past that I've gone to the doctor and, and Lisa has stayed on my back. You need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor and, and get checked and come home and, and she'll say to me, what did the doctor say? And, and there are times that I'll say, well, he said this and that. Well, well, what do you have to do? Or what's, well, I don't know. Well, why didn't you ask him? Well, why, why didn't you? Well, it really wasn't. Well, you went there because you were trying to find out. And, and you know, you're sitting there in the presence of a doctor and he's, he's giving you these words that are about this long and you're, you're acting like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about and, and exactly what that means. And you're smiling and in the back of your mind, you have no clue. I mean, and so I go home and she said, well, what, what did he say? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to live. But did you ask him? Did you ask him what you're supposed to be doing? No. Well, then why did you go? I should have just, I should have went with you. I just should have went with you because I would have asked the question. We all know what that's like to get in situations where, where we stop one question short from everything that, that we need, the answer that, that we're looking for. And, and this, if you, can, if you can track with me for a moment, asking questions, it's not an indicator of ignorance. Asking questions many times reveals that, that uh, there is something in our life that we desire to know. Or there is something that we want to be informed on that we just don't have the information for. And so we're going to the right source and asking the right people because we have confidence they have the answer that I'm looking for. But many times we are apprehensive about asking those questions. Well, I bring that up simply because in our text from Acts 2.1, you go back 2,000 years years and you find people that as a response to what they were seeing on this initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 
They are amazed and they are in doubt at the same time. They're a little bit confused and so they start asking this question. What meaneth this? What, what is this all about? What's going on here? How, how are we supposed to uh, understand this language that they're speaking, the way that these people are, are acting, and, and that's where we come up with this title today, Some Things Never Change. I want you to know that if you're here today wondering about this Pentecostal experience and you have questions what meaneth this, you're not the first person that has come along with those questions. In fact, on the very day that it initially happened, there were people there saying, what in the world is going on? They're amazed, kind of, we know this is phenomenal, but we're in doubt, is this made up? Is this real? Where where is this coming from? What's the purpose of this? What's behind all this? And what does this mean? And, And so you have to go back to those things that I said in the beginning, that it was just 10 days or so previous to this that Jesus looked at His Uh, followers and those that were in the congregation before His ascension. And He said to them, Go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That's all they got from Him. They, They didn't get any of the other particulars. They did not get the breakdown of this is what's going to happen. It's going to take place in 10 days. You're going to be sitting in a room together. There's going to be a sound that comes from heaven and and it's going to sound like a rushing mighty wind. And where you're sitting, get ready, because a wind is going to blow in there and everybody's going to take note of it at the same time. And there's going to be cloven tongues of fire that's set upon each person in the room and you're going to see these things and then everybody there is going to be filled with the Spirit and then they're going to begin to speak in a language they never spoke in before and then you're going to stumble out of that room and when you get out in the public you are going to actually look drunk and the people that are standing by watching, they are going to assume that you're drunk. But don't let that bother you. You're not drunk like they think you're drunk. It's just the Spirit. He didn't give them any of those specifics. All He said to them was, Go tarry until it happens. Till what happens? What, what, what are we going to do? What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? What's it going to seem like? What are people going to say? Questions have always been a part of this process. Don't let that trip you up when you think, well, I don't understand it. They understand. None of us understood it when we first came. And we're doing everything in our power now to understand it better. And the only way we can do that is because we've experienced it and we know that it was not something that a man gave us or a religion gave us or a church gave us, but it was something that God gave us. So these questions have always been, they've always been there. And, and, and it's nothing new. What you have is a room full of obedient, committed 
spiritually hungry friends, family, and followers of Jesus Christ. When you get into that upper room and you can read the the story out of the first and second chapter of Acts, you have 120 people who gather into this place. Not, Not everyone that heard Jesus speak made the journey. In fact, there were some 380, the Bible tells us there were near 500 people that saw and heard Him after His resurrection and only 120 are there at the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So there were 300 plus that didn't make the journey. Not everybody is going to be obedient to what He said. He said, go tarry. Not everybody's going to do that. Some people will look at it and say, well, I'm just comfortable with Him being in my life here and knowing Him, being connected to Him, but I'm not going to go do all of that. I don't think that's necessary. Then there's other people that, that go beyond that and say, well, I'm not committing. You may have to stay there 10 days. I've got a business to run, I've got things, I've got family situations to take care of, I don't have time to just go hang out there for 10 days, and then there's others that say I'm not that, I'm not really not that hungry for God, I'm not spiritually I'm not looking for anything spiritual, here's what I can promise you after doing this for 30 plus years, if you're not obedient, you're not committed, and you're not spiritually hungry, you have nothing to worry about we're not going to be able to pour anything on you, shake anything in you, give you anything. It's not going to happen. Don't let your mind freak you out that, oh my God, these people are going to, they're going to accost me and I'm going to get out of here and be... No, it doesn't happen that way. If it happens in your life, it will only happen because you're obedient, committed, and spiritually hungry. And if you are those things, then... God has wonderful promises for you. And He has a wonderful gift to give you. And in fact, it's the greatest thing that you could ever receive in your life. But you don't have to worry about us. I know, listen, these people, these people go, they tarry, it begins to happen. And, and, and imagine what it was like leading up to this event. Nobody in the room knew exactly what was about to happen. There was nobody that could say, hey, um, I was in a group like six months ago or when I was like 12 and and I saw this happen, so get ready, it's going to freak you out. There was nobody in the room that could say that because it had never happened before. So they basically, in my mind, kind of the way I interpret it, they were were sitting in in a room in, in situations that were uneventful, not a lot happening, Um, they were uncertain of what it was or how it was going to happen or when it was going to transpire. So they're just all kind of expecting something but not certain what they were expecting. They are hopeful but they're not convinced and and they're in the middle of this. I don't know if they ordered Chinese in. I don't know if they were eating pizza every day. I don't know if they were sending people out. I don't know if folks were sleeping on the floor, if they were complaining, if they were like, did we lose our mind? Were our families right when they said, are you crazy? You're going to go hang out there. Listen, you're following that guy. They, They were having all of these doubts and questions and wondering and they are there day after day after day after day a week goes by 
And, and well, when is it going to happen? I don't know when it's going to happen. What do you think it's going to be? I don't know. He just said, come tarry here until we're in dude. What do you think in dude is? I don't know. Maybe you have to go look it up in Webster. I, I don't know. They are, they're just really in this moment trying to figure it all out. And they have, they're clueless. I'm just saying all that so you understand. If you're here today clueless, you're in good company. We all showed up clueless. We all came with like, oh, I don't know. Am I going to cry? Am I going to scream? Am I going to lay down? Am I going to jump? Am I going to run out scared? Or am I going to love this? Is it going to be the greatest experience of my life? Or is it going to be the most terrifying? Everybody, it happens the same way for everybody. And then the Bible tells us in the middle of all this, Suddenly, isn't that the way God works? Just all of a sudden, things begin to change. All of a sudden, when you're like, I don't know what to expect, boom, God shows up and, and I read you the, the story of what, what happened. And so, it's this special day that His Spirit is poured out and things begin to change dramatically for the people of God. There was a, there was a precedent set in the Old Testament when Israel was brought out of Egypt by the delivering power of God. Now in the New Testament, there's a brand new precedent that is started and it all has to do with the results of Passover. It all has to do with Him granting forgiveness in the lives and deliverance in the lives and a way out in the lives of His people. And so here they are expecting something, not sure what's going to happen, and the Spirit of God comes to where they are and takes up residence in the lives of 120 people that are sitting in that room. Now, because it's hard to understand this sometimes, I want to go back and show you something, and it'll help you a little bit. 400 years, everybody hold four fingers up, four centuries before this happened. Go back here to the Old Testament, and you will find a prophet by the name of Joel. Okay, Old Testament prophet, 400 years before this happens, this is what he prophesied in the second chapter, verse 28. He said, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Joel prophesied 400 years before it happened that God was going to pour His Spirit out on who? All flesh. Not certain flesh, important flesh, religious flesh, benefited flesh, called flesh, anointed flesh, chosen flesh. He said all flesh. Doesn't matter where they're from, it doesn't matter their age, it doesn't matter their race, it doesn't matter their level of education, all flesh. Joel prophesies it, and he said, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out of my Spirit. So he includes all flesh, sons and daughters, old men, young men, servants, handmaids. 
He's covering the entire gamut of population in saying it doesn't matter if you're a person of renown or you're a servant. It doesn't matter if you're a handmaid or a child. It doesn't matter if you're elderly or young. It is for everybody that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. And so... Uh, This is 400 years before it transpires and Joel said it will happen afterward. After what? Or hereafter? Or or when? After what? Well, we know. We know afterward was referring to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the resurrection of the Lord, the ascension of the Lord, that after all of those things transpire, then the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. So Joel is prophesying about something that will happen in the future. Now Jesus in John 14 and verse number 15 Jesus is now here, He's alive, He's well, 400 years has come and gone. He's walking among them and Jesus knows that His time on earth as a man is limited. And His followers are looking to Him. And so Jesus says this to them, If you love Me, keep My commandments. And I will pray, now follow with me here, I will pray, Jesus said the Father, and He will give you another comforter. Jesus was a comforter to them because He was there in flesh. They were hearing His teaching and seeing His miracles and they were enjoying the ministry of the Lord. And He said, but I'm going to pray you get another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Because Jesus knew as a man, my years here are limited. I can only comfort you so long. But I'm going to pray that you get another comforter that will not just be here limited, but a comforter that will be with you, abide with you forever. And then then he, He defines who that comforter will be. He said this, even the Spirit of truth. So the comforter that he was talking about that would be with them forever would be the spirit of truth. And he goes on, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. And they're like, we know him? We know this comforter, the spirit of truth, the one you're talking about? How do we know him? Jesus said, you, you know him for he dwelleth with you. Jesus said, you know who He is, wink, wink, because He dwells with you. I'm hanging out with you right now. Jesus was saying, they don't know who this really is, but you know who the Comforter really is, the Spirit of Truth, because He's here with you. He dwells with you right now. Now, now this is amazing, but notice how He says this. He dwells with you, but will be... Where? See, there's a lot of people that are living their Christian experience with Him dwelling with them, but not dwelling in them. 
There's a big difference and Jesus drew that conclusion or led us to that conclusion right here when He said, He dwells with you, but He's going to be in you. Wow. I love it. And then, then notice what He says. I will not leave you. <laughs> How awesome is this? Because He's telling us. He's given us, He's given us the picture right here. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. And that's what we're talking about. A comforter that comes, the Spirit of truth that's with you right now, but He's going to be in you. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus is saying, okay, let me jump way ahead and fill the blanks in for you and tell you it's not really going to be somebody else. It's going to be me and I'm going to come back and dwell in you just like I'm with you right now. But what's going to be so wonderful about this is right now it's limited because I'm flesh. But when I come back as the comforter, the spirit of truth, I will abide with you forever. Wow. And so he, 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 he goes on. Yet a little while, he said, it's going to happen after a while. The world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live. Ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest he said, I will manifest myself to him. We know the Bible tells us that God was manifest in the flesh. It tells us this. And Jesus is tying this together for us. He said, I'm going to manifest myself to him. What do you mean? You're already here. You're already manifested. We already see you. We get it. He said, no, you're missing something here. I'm going to manifest myself to you in a way that you don't know right now. And he goes on, Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us? What are you talking about? You're here right now. We already see you. And you're telling me you're going to manifest yourself in some other way? How is this going to happen? How is it going to be for us and not for the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and will come unto him, and will make, and will make our abode with him. We're coming to abide. We're coming to live. We're coming to take up residence. The manifestation that you'll see this time will be an inward manifestation of the presence of God in your life. And so he goes on and he said, If you love me, keep my words. My Father, I read this to you, will abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things, now here's where he wraps it up. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. I'm telling you these things because I'm with you in physical form right now. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, remember, the Spirit of Truth, Jesus said, I'm not leaving you comfortless. You know who He is because He dwells with you right now. And He's not, I'm not just going to be with you, I'm going to be in you. He comes back and He explains it. But the Comforter, the Comforter I'm talking about is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. 
So Jesus' words here were instructional, but at the same time, they were prophetic in He was explaining the happenings of Pentecost before it ever happened. So before we read the second chapter of Acts, we have Jesus explaining to His followers This is what's going to happen. He didn't give them all the details about wind and He didn't give them all the details about a sound from heaven. He just said, my Father's going to give it. And He's telling them in this picture, but no, it's not going to be someone else. It will be me. But I can't do that right now because I'm here in physical form and I have to go away or the Comforter cannot come. So Jesus is explaining all of this to them about Pentecost before it ever happened. Joel prophesied 400 years before the Spirit of God is going to be poured out. Jesus is there saying, I'm here just a little while and then I'm going to be gone, but I'm coming back as the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, into your life. So the outpouring of God's Spirit was prophesied by Joel and it was promised by Jesus in the New Testament and we have this coming to pass in our text that we read today, the second chapter of Acts. Jesus is saying to them in the first chapter, go tarry until this happens, that you will receive the promise of the Father. And when we get to the heart of all of this, I want you to see that what took place that day is what Joel said, God's pouring His Spirit out. It's what Jesus said, there's a promise going to be given by the Father. The first chapter of Acts says, tarry until it happens, you will receive a comforter from on high. And then it takes place And you have what I read to you, Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4. But I'm going to pick up in verse 5 so you get a clearer picture. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So there in Jerusalem at this same time, there are devout people from all over, religious people. They are there for a religious celebration and holiday. These were not horrible uh, people that didn't fear God. These are God-fearing worshipers that are there in obedience to celebrate the tradition that they had been a part of for centuries of the Feast of Weeks. And the Bible said they're devout and they're out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, what was noise? That wind, that sound, these people speaking in tongues, all this stuff going on. When they hear this, the multitude came together and were confounded. They're, they're standing by this upper room and they are, their mind is blown because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Okay, so there are people from every nation, devout people standing there and they're trying to figure out how are these Galileans, how are these people from this particular region speaking our languages that we brought with us from the far-flung places under heaven. And they were amazed and marveled. This whole thing ties together. In verse 12, it said they, they were amazed and they doubted. 
in, in the verses that we're reading now, it says they're confounded. It goes on to say they were amazed and they marveled. These questions are always there. And it surrounds every part of this entire story. We're trying to figure it out. And said Wang, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? They're trying to figure out these people are speaking in our language and yet they don't know our languages. How did they learn this? Where, where did this come from? And so the question arises, what meaneth this? You may be sitting here today and I'm not going to be much longer asking this question. What is all this Pentecost stuff about? What is this outpouring of the Holy Ghost all about? What is all of this speaking in tongues about? What is this stuff? I mean, sometimes we get a bad rap for stuff that we don't even do or claim or even have any idea it's going on. But people say, oh, stay away from them because they're this, that, and the other. Now, we will admit there are some things about us that, that will cause you to take a second look. We understand that. But for the most part, it's not all the stuff that everybody is making up. And Oh, I went one time and they drank poison and well, well, you know, you drink poison, you're going to die. Uh, well, I went one time and they did this and that and the other. We don't do that kind of stuff. But a lot of times people like to lump it in because the adversary wants to raise unnecessary questions when there are really legitimate questions that people can ask and find what they need for their life. But if he can get them asking all this other stuff that doesn't amount to anything and has no weight in it at all, then he takes their focus off what is the most important stuff. So they ask, what, what, what meaneth this? Or, or what is this? And it's important to get to the place, whether we are religious or not, whether we're devout or not, whether we're pious or not, that we ask the question, what is this? And I would say, when you ask that question, some things never change. People were asking questions then, they're asking questions now, and they will be asking questions if the Lord tarries a hundred years from now. Questions will always surround this, but it can, your questions can be answered. And I'll tell you how they can be answered. If you go on through this chapter, it was uh, the Apostle Paul that ended up sharing with them. These men are not drunk, so they're asking this question. What meaneth this? Why are they asking this way? And I don't have time to go through it all, but this is what he said, and I paraphrase this. He, he came and he said, out where the crowd is, and they're asking the question, he said, hey, 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 they're not drunk, as you suppose, seeing that it's just the third hour of the day. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So Peter is saying to them, the questions you're asking, let me give you the answer. You're devout people. You're Jewish believers. You know Joel, the Old Testament prophet that you look to. He said 400 years ago, this was going to happen. And what he prophesied is taking place right now. God is pouring out of His Spirit upon all flesh. That's what you're seeing. 
And so the Bible tells us they responded after all of this uh, uh, answer that Peter gave them. They felt convicted and they started asking, well, what do we do? There's another question. It's through the whole thing. Now the question went from what meaneth this to what do I do about it? Okay, I know what it means. This was the promise of God. This is the Spirit of God. This is what Joel and Jesus and others said was going to happen. Now I've got that in my mind. So what do I do about it? How, how, what, what, where do I go from here? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Comforter. You shall receive the gift of the Spirit of Truth. You shall receive the gift of Jesus Christ, not just being with you, but being in you. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, He said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And if you read down through those verses 40 and on, you'll find out that there were 3,000 people that were in the crowd that day that stepped forward and said, my questions are answered. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want what you said that I could have. So in one day, it goes from a prophecy and a promise to an outpouring for 120, and 120 turn into 3,000. And this thing begins to explode, if you will, with folks saying, I want Him in my life. I want Him in my heart. I want Him dwelling in my life. I don't want to try and live one day without Him. Let's stand together. The beautiful, the beautiful promise and gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I want you to know that it is still available for you today. Amen. For those that know what I'm talking about, just wave your hand at me. You know.